to go shark fishing or well fishing. But he said, uh, spoiler alert, it's a floating cooler, <laughs> which is exactly what it is. You know, I, I have this fishing pole I got from Father's Day last year, and I used it a few times. Now, I'm not much of a fisherman, so maybe uh, that's one thing I would have liked to have done with Fred. Maybe, Dan, are you a fisherman? Do you like to you try to be? Because I imagine you have better luck than me. Maybe you can take me and my kids out fishing. Um, I, did, I remember telling you that the first time I was here back in October, you may not remember about my fishing experience and how I'm just not really very good fisherman. Um, we went, uh, over the last three years, I've gone three times. Two times I had success because I was with another fisherman who knew how to fish. We caught a lot of little crappie, but they had very sharp fins, so I didn't enjoy that, and they didn't taste very good. While we were fishing, Caleb hooked his own chin. He got, he's taking that catch of fishermen, literally, but it was himself, thankfully, not me. Um, also, we had these blow-up kayaks, and we ended up rowing for our life, me and Caleb, because there was, the, the air was depleting. And we were, yeah, and I was, I was my backside's getting all wet, <laughs> but we made it, finally. Uh, you know, so after these two successful experiences of fishing, I thought I could go out and teach some kids how to fish. And so we went on this youth group camp out, and there was about three or four girls that had never fished before. And I thought, I'm just going to show them how to do it. And so I, I had my fishing poles. Well, we went fishing, and one of the youth group kids took part one of the fishing poles. And he put it back together, but not very tight. And so when I cast that, that fishing rod out, guess what happened? There just went the whole top of the fishing pole. We, we fished all day. I had to dive in and get it. We fished for, for like a couple hours, and everything was wrong about it. it was, the sun was shining. The speed boats were going by. I don't even know if there was fish in that part of the lake. But they'll never forget that experience. I'll never forget it. Now, that kind of fishing that we do with a fishing pole, is, it's a hobby, right? No one here makes their living as a fish. A fish makes their living fishing. Maybe you, you don't like fishing. I'm never going fishing again. Uh, but it's, it's just a hobby. Well, we're not going to be talking about this kind of hobby, that if you do it or don't do it, it doesn't really matter. If, if, you, if you say, I'm only going to go out when the weather's nice, or you're one of those crazy people who will go out in the lake when it's frozen, and you'll fish all winter long, we're not talking about that kind of fishing. We're talking about the kind of fishing that is not a hobby. It's something that's meant for each person. You can be a little kid, first-time fisherman, it's your job to go fishing. In every occupation of our life, if we're a rancher, if we're a homemaker, or if we're an office person of some kind, our job is to be a fisher. In every location, and Jesus even proved that, because last week we saw, uh, he was, I think it was last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago, he was in a synagogue, and he was sharing the good news. And we know that Jesus talked in Peter's house about the good news. And Jesus is now going to go hop out in a boat and tell people the good news. So this good news is going fishing can happen with anybody at any location. So I hope by the time today is done, you understand that, yes, we are all called to be fishers of men, and that you'll be encouraged by the fact that God used somebody to go fish for men who was just an ordinary, average person who really had no idea what he was doing. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Now the first part of this we find that Jesus is, is talking to this, a big group of people around this great big lake. And as he's talking, more and more people are coming. Well, he's, he's getting backed up to the water, and he can't step back any farther. And so he's thinking, how am I going to talk to all these people? And out of the corner of his eye, he sees a boat. 
So he goes and hops out in this boat, and he, he sets it back a little ways, probably puts down an anchor, and now he can talk just like this to everybody who's listening. He doesn't have to worry about who's exactly in front of them, and he can share the good news with them. So chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. It says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the people, that's also the lake of Galilee, with the people crowding around him and listening to the words of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now right off the bat, I have to say that I will probably say Peter more than I say Simon. But Simon is Peter. So just every time you hear Simon, it's Peter. Every time you hear Peter, it's Simon. I just, it's just I'm so used to his name being Peter that I don't even think of the name being Simon. Now Simon Peter, he's just an ordinary guy. Last night he went fishing. He didn't have a fishing pole. He had a great big net. Something kind of like this, except for it was a lot heavier. It had weights all the way around, and it was like 20 feet long. And he, he spent the whole night fishing, and they'd throw it over the shore, and they would pull up, and they would look, oh, there's no fish, and they would try again all night long. They're doing this. And he's just an average guy. And right now he's doing what you would see here. There's a hole in this net. Now he's, he's cleaning his net because it gets seaweed on it. Every time you stick it in the water, it gets, it gets snakes. Sometimes the fish is, has done something in the past. Or, uh, gets caught in something in the water. And so he's just sitting there by the shore. Jesus is talking to all these people. He's possibly just listening to what Jesus is saying. Yes, Jesus is out in my boat. That's kind of interesting, but I'm busy. And he's just an average, ordinary guy. Now, if you wanted to be a fisherman, that was not a, a schooled position. You didn't go to school to be a fisherman. It was on-the-job training. You took your, your little kid, you stuck him in your boat, and said, hey, this is how you do it. And you just start doing it. And as you do it, you get better at it. And you get stronger. And Jesus um, is talking to Peter. And Peter's just the average guy. He's ordinary. There's nothing special about Peter. In Acts 14, uh, after Jesus has gone up into heaven, uh, Peter, we find out that he's just an ordinary guy because he's talking to the Sanhedrin, to all the teachers of the law. And they, this is what they say about him. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, Ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that they had been with Jesus. So you guys get the point. Simon Peter's just an ordinary guy. He's thinking, um, I'm going to clean my nets. I'm going to go home, go to bed. T tonight I'm going to get back out there and start fishing again. He has no, no greater expectations, no greater ambition. I'm just doing everything that I've always done because I'm a fisher. That's all I'm supposed to do. Now, Peter was an ordinary guy. We are ordinary people. Would anybody agree or disagree? You might say, Josh, you're more ordinary than you know. Whether we're, I mean, when's the last time someone asked you for an autograph? I mean, no one has ever asked me for an autograph. I mean, maybe if you'd like to, maybe I'll start asking people, just so you can have that once-in-a-lifetime experience of somebody asking for your autograph. Uh, so people are ordinary. Whether you're an office person like me, uh, you work in the oil or the gas industry, if you're a rancher, if you're a homemaker, ordinary people. And you know what? That's okay because God likes to use ordinary people. That's exactly the kind of people that God is looking for when he's looking for someone that he could use in his service. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 to 31 
Uh, Paul's writing, he says, Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you are wise by human standards. That's me. I am not wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world, the despised things and the things that are not, to nullify or cancel out the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us the wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. God's looking for average, ordinary people. Those are the people he likes to use the best. Okay, so please repeat after me. God calls ordinary people to be fishers of men. God calls ordinary people to be fishers of men. Now, it's a tough calling to be a fisher. You don't have to repeat that. It's a tough calling to be a fisher of men. And I'm sure for Peter, once he gets that call, it, it overwhelms him because he doesn't understand what that means. He doesn't understand what's all involved. He can look at his own inadequacies and say, uh, you want me to, to fish for, for people and I, I fish for men. And um, I, I know with a fish, you, you throw out a big net and people, I'm not a speaker. You know, I, I mean, most, most fishermen of that day, I think, were probably people who were just happy. I got my buddies and I got my fish. That's all I'm going to do all day long. I don't have this huge interaction with a lot of people. But God doesn't just call ordinary people. God proved he can use ordinary people. In verses 4 through 10, we find that even though Peter doubts God, even though he, he, uh, he, he doesn't really think anything's going to happen, he goes out in his boat and he, he throws the nets over into the deep water. And all of a sudden he gets so much fish that he calls his buddies and says, Hey, come help me. And they load up both the fish or both boats so full of fish that they start to sink. God can use ordinary people. But we have to look in Luke chapter 5. Verses 4 through 10 to see how God used Peter. It says, When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Hey, Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and have not caught anything. But because you say so, I guess I'll let down my nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. So there are so many fish. And they're, 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 they're leaning over their boats. And they're, they're like, you know, I, I really doubt anything's going to happen. I'm going to throw this over the net or over the, over the boat. And they start, they start pulling fish. And all of a sudden, there's so much weight. It's like, wow, this is, this is, make sure I don't fall in, you know, with the fish. And I'm pulling them all in. And as I pull them in, fish after fish just keep falling. And it's just crowded all the way around his legs because there are so many fish. I don't know how deep the boat was. But there are so many you don't even dare move because you're going to step on a fish. And as he's watching this pole, he's like, oh, these, there's these big fish and these little fish. And that fish is going to hop and flap right out of the boat. And there's so many. He's, he calls his buddies and they're like, how, do we, how are we going to do this? How are we going to get all these fish in here? And we're going to take them to shore. And he's, he's a guy who's, who's doubting God. Now, 
I mean, he, he's doubting Jesus that anything was going to happen if he did this. Now, to put this in our perspective, because we don't fish that way. We use a, a fishing pole. Um, I got to thinking, uh, if I was to go talk to a rancher and say, hey, Dale, or hey, Dan, uh, Darren, who aren't here, hey, Dana, this is, how you're, this is when you know that you're supposed to do a C-section on a calf or on a cow to get the calf, and this is how you do it. Imagine what they're going to think. Josh, you have no idea what you're talking about. If I was to go tell Melissa, hey, Melissa, this is how you cook cooking. Right. <laughs> My kids can testify that I don't know how to cook. Or if I, hey, hey Dana, this is how you weld. I, I, have, I mean, you, this is how you use the rods, and this is how you do this is the kind of weld you need to do. Dana's just going to look at me and think, where did you come from? You have no idea. Hey, Scott, this is how you're going to boost your numbers at work. This is how you're going to get everybody to join Mid-Rivers. He's going to say, "That's thank you for that advice, but I already know. I got the schooling. I got the experience. You're just a preacher. That's it. Um, I was actually thinking about this this week. I was out at uh, Emil's house, and uh, they had this experience with the sheep. Now, the sheep was not going to make it, and it had three little babies inside, and I was thinking, uh, Emil took care of it. He, he took care of the sheep, and he, he brought out these little lambs. And he's, he's nursing them back to health, and he's putting them in the heat, under the light and everything, doing exactly what he needs to do. And I started thinking, what would Emil think if I started telling him what he needs to do? I mean, I, I, I'm, Emil seems pretty quiet. I don't think, he, I think he'd just look at me like, who are you? <laughs> what do you know? You've already told me you don't know anything about this. He's, he's just going to probably keep doing what he would normally do. And so Peter's finding himself in that same situation. Look, I'm the experienced one. I just fished all night and nothing happened. What makes you think something is going to happen because I go out there and I start going fishing? Now, in order for Simon to catch all these fish, what did he have to do? Did he pull out some fancy radar that said, hey, this is where the fish are. You better go out and catch them. Did he have some intuition or some kind of experience that said, yeah, you know what, you Jesus, you're right. There is that fishing spot way down deep where we didn't go. No, he had to get out there. Okay, I got my clean nets. If I go back out there, they're going to get dirty again. I might snake something. I just got done. I just worked all night long. I just cleaned my nets. I just mended everything. You want me to go back out there and try again? Okay, because you said so, I'm going to do it. So Jesus, or so Peter goes out there, and he starts fishing, and he has this experience. But the first thing he had to do was to push his boat out into the water, hop in it, and go back out to work. Now, I know uh, a lot of these messages that we've been listening to lately, I mean, I, I feel like each week it's like, share the gospel, share the gospel, share the gospel. But I think it's very important that's, I mean, because Jesus is going to take this and use this as an example in Peter's life and say, share the gospel. I just proved that I can work in extraordinary measures through an ordinary person. I can do the same with you while you fish for men. And in Acts chapter 2, you find that G Peter spoke and 3,000 men got saved. Peter, the unschooled, the average, the ordinary guy who didn't want to trust Jesus to get out in his boat to go fishing is later going to be used by God to reach 3,000 people with the message of the gospel. And, when, and you know, just think about uh, Peter as he's pushing his boat out there. 
Uh, according to a source, there, is, there was about 230 other boats out on the water. At, at, when the boats were on the water. During this time, they'd all be up on shore. Imagine how many people are watching Peter do this. Really? You're going out there. We were just all out there. And we, we, we didn't catch anything. And you expect in the middle of the day to go out there and catch all these fish. But Jesus proved to Peter, I can use you. But he also proved to everybody else that I know better. That I, I, I'm not limited by what people think. Now, it's real easy to look and say, well, yeah, of course God used Peter. Peter's in the Bible. Everything worked out for everybody in the Bible. And we all want proof like Peter. I mean, I, w- I think it would be great to have some kind of miracle in my life where God did, did something so unbelievable that I can hang on to that it would, just, it would just blow everybody's mind. I can share and say, hey, this is what God did. And I, I can tell you what I think is incredible. I don't think it, and I don't know if anybody else would think it, but it was so special, but it was nothing like catching this huge load of fish. Now, as much as we all want an experience like Peter, you know, the whole Bible is full of people. They are all ordinary people. And I know we all want to say, well, wow, that was a modern-day example where God used Leslie for something or God used uh, Carol to accomplish something great. And I, we got, I got on the Internet and I started kind of looking. And I have a story I'm going to share at the end about how God used an ordinary little five-year-old girl to accomplish something super great. But most of what we have is we have what the Bible says. It was supposed to encourage the people back then. It didn't just get out of date. We've got to look for something new. Everything you read in the Bible is supposed to be encouraging and give you hope that God uses ordinary people. And if God can use these ordinary people, God can use you. Now, mostly when God uses us, we have no idea. Um, I mean, the, the whole rest of the church does know. Now, I'm going to pick on Karen Losing for a second. I did not tell her that. Uh, last week, we had the care center service at the Superior Care. Well, guess who was there playing the piano? It was Karen, and how nice that was for me, because I don't know if you guys can ever hear me singing up here, but I'm not a singer, and if I'm there at the care center and you hear me singing, it's not beautiful. But you guys would have no idea that Karen blessed everybody in that whole building with her piano playing, except that I just told you. And that's the way a lot of things work in life. You guys minister to each other. You guys share the gospel. You get involved in people's lives. And mostly people do not know because it's not this big, amazing thing that gets plastered all over the Internet. It's just something small. Thank you, by the way. I do really appreciate the the piano playing. So now, uh, the the biggest reason, I mean, the the key to being used by God is, is very simple. It's called listening and obeying to what God says. Now, there's no formula. You know, as a, I know, I always try to put God in a box. I want to know, God, if I do this, then I'm going to get this result every time. God, if I, um, I want to try to come up with any examples, but I, I want to put God in a box where I know exactly what the outcome is going to be, but God doesn't work that way. He just told Peter, get out in the boat and go fishing. And what if he expected this great load of fish? He didn't know the next thing was going to be, okay, now, by the way, put this all away. Now you're going to be fishers of men. He just listened, and that was the key. You got to take that first step, and you got to listen to what God says. Okay, so we all know we're all supposed to be fishers of men, but you guys probably all know the biggest reason why we don't want to be fishers of men. It's fear, right? And it may be the fear of being asked to leave my little comfort zone in Plevna and go somewhere else. 
Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats on shore, and they left everything to follow him. Now, Peter has just pulled in this record number of fish. And I I can't imagine, I don't know what's going to be more stunning to everybody else in the crowd. They see these boats come on shore, and there's this massive load of fish. Or they hear Jesus tell Peter, hey, come be a fisher's of men. And Peter leaves all of that. I don't, I don't know what's more impressive, the big load of fish or the, the fact that Peter said, okay, I'm going to leave that load of fish. Who in their right mind is going to do something like that? I mean, imagine we're going to make lots of money. We're going to be able to plan for the future because we had this abundant amount. Think about who in their right mind would just sell a record number of calves, and then, which is worldly success, and then give it all up to go to be a missionary in a country where I don't even know if they have cows. Who in their right mind would do that? Who in their right mind would get promoted at work to a high position and say, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to go be a missionary at an orphanage in some little, some little podunk country, and I'm going to serve all these kids. Who in the right mind is going to do that? Who in the right mind is going to get their house just perfect? I just spent 10 years getting my house exactly the way I want it, and now I'm going to go live in a hut that doesn't even have running water or plumbing. Who's going to do that? That's the same kind of thing that Peter did. He just gave up everything, worldly success, and said, okay, God, okay, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Where that leads, I have no idea. He has no idea what the future holds for him. What is the world? What, what do we want to say? Wait a second. Let me enjoy my house first. Let me enjoy this new position. Let me enjoy this money that I just made. I just worked. It's been 50 years, and finally I hit the gold. You want me to give that up? And what is the world going to think about that? Huh? They're, they're, they're going to they're gonna have no idea. They're going to have no idea what to think about you. They're going to think you're the craziest, the dumbest person who's ever done anything if you're going to walk away from that and follow Jesus. And that's what we're afraid of. If I tell God, yes, I'm going to follow you where you want me to go, I'm going to have to give up everything. And you know what? We all have to give up something. Most likely, you're not going to be called to go be a missionary to a different country. Maybe God's already put it on somebody's heart. Hey, I want you to go. You're like, "Uh uh-uh, I don't want to give all that up. That's between you and God. What may even happen is you might have to give up your own kids. I might have to give up Noah to go be a missionary. Wait a second. I want, I want grandkids. I want someone to take care of me when I'm old. He says he's going to be an architect. He's going to build me a house. Hey, that sounds great to me, but I might have to give up my own kids. When Peter went and talked to his parents, can you imagine how they responded to that? Uh, hey, Peter talking to his dad. Hey, dad, I'm, uh, I'm going to just give up the family business, and I'm going to go follow Jesus. Okay, where are you going? Uh, I'm not sure where I'm going. Um, okay, what are you going to be doing? I'm not sure about that either. Uh, how are you going to provide for yourself? That's a good question. I have no idea. I mean, and I mean, any any volunteers say, "Hey, I want to I want to follow Jesus." Hey, Taven, you're the man. You're the man. I hope I hope you get that chance. I'll support you if you become a missionary. All right. 
and it's on the radio, or it's on the, the, the CD, or the whatever. <laughs> All right. We, we don't want to have to give up our family, or our livelihood, our future, our security, everything else that we can think of for a big, fat question mark. I mean, my, my comfy mattress to go sleep on straw. Ugh, I don't want to do that. Thanks, I'll just be the guy who stays home and supports the missionaries. I'll just throw a few dollars into that. Great, pray for them, support them. But you know what we've already heard? Was it last week or the week before about be a hometown missionary? So nobody gets out of this fishing business. Whether you stay home and fish in your own school or your own backyard, or you go off to join the foxes in Alaska, we all have a call to be fishers of men. And that's... that's and it's something we're going to look at ourselves immediately. I can't do that. I, I don't know what to say. I don't know, I don't know how to, to deal with people. No one's going to believe me. I'm just, I'm just Josh. I'm just Caleb. I'm, I'm just normal. I don't, I don't know that stuff. I, don't, I can't do that. And God says, I can use you. You're an ordinary, average person. I want you to go fish for men. I, I did a little quick uh, research and found out that 80% of the people... Of, of a survey said it's my responsibility to share Christ with people. These are all people who profess to be Christians. Whether they are or not, I don't know, but 80% said that I should. 61% said I haven't done it even one time in the last six months. 48% said um, I haven't even, inv- I haven't even uh, invited someone to church in the last six months. So if we were to take that and say we'll just guess about 60 people, and we say, uh, that means 24 people, look around, 24 people have said, I've shared Christ with somebody at least one time in six months. So that's 180 days. I took one day out of 180 and I told somebody about Jesus. 24, according to this, 24 of us. Uh, and only about 23 of us has even invited someone to church in the last six months. Being a fisherman, I mean, that, that to me, those statistics says this is a hobby. I went fishing uh, three times in the last three years. Before that, it was, it was before I was married I went fishing. That's a hobby. This call to be a fisherman is not a hobby. It's something that God has asked each person to do. And I'm not saying you have to do it two times in six months or three times or, or whatever, but God has called each person to be a fisherman. I, have, I wrote down a few tips for being fishers and men. Uh, the first is, is just remember that when you fish, they won't always bite. So don't give up. Be persistent as you keep fishing. I mean, if I was to, for how many times I cast a fishing pole and I didn't catch anything, I would have given up a long time ago. But keep fishing. Some fish are going to be easier to catch than others. It might be the poor or the kid that's a lot easier to catch than the rich man or the older person. Use different baits, different techniques. Now, this, this great big lure, I don't even know what you would use this for. We're just desperate. We just threw whatever we could onto a fishing pole and hoped something would bite it. I don't even, it looks like you catch a great big fish with something like that. Uh, but invite people to church, invite people over for coffee, take them out to lunch. There's, there's lots of avenues. There's inviting kids to Iwana. There's, there's Christian concerts. Or you can just come out and say it. Hey, guess what, Caleb? You need the Lord. 
That's an avenue. There's lots of different ways. You got to know your tools. You want to go fishing with a fishing pole, especially this kind, because it's got this funky thing where you got to hold this and you got to hold a string and, and you got to cast it a certain way. I don't know how to do that. I like the thumb kind that's just a simple one. You got to know your tools. You got to know your own testimony because that's the best way to tell someone about Jesus. What did God do for you? And you got to know your Bible. But a lot of times with people who are first saved, you're like, you go out and share your faith. They don't know anything except for, I got saved. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. But you don't stay there. You keep adding to your knowledge. And God can use that. All the study guides and all the helpful hints that you can get from people won't help unless you go out and keep fishing. The bulletin has some song lyrics from Randy Travis that you should just Google the, the song. It says, keep your lure in the water. Don't just sit by the shore. There are souls to be caught everywhere around this whole world. Lots of people know we should catch people, you know, uh, bring people to the Lord, and we want to, but we're afraid to even try. Cast out that that fishing pole. Catch people. You gotta keep fishing. I want to challenge you to keep fishing. God can use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Now, this is a closing story of of an example of a five-year-old little girl at the turn of the century who God used, and she, she had 57 cents, two quarters, a nickel, and two pennies, I'm guessing, 57 cents. It says there was this young girl outside of a Philadelphia church who was crying as a pastor walked by, and she was sitting there crying because there, was, there wasn't enough room in that Sunday school room for her to go there. And the pastor looked at her and saw that she was filthy and said, I think there's probably some other reason. And so he, he got her into the, the Sunday school room, make sure she had a place to sit. Well, two years later, and this is a true story, the little girl died. When the pastor came to make the final arrangements, he discovered a coin purse with her belongings. Inside the coin purse was 57 cents and a slip of paper that said, to make the church bigger so more kids can go to Sunday school. The pastor told the, this little girl's story to that, that Sunday in church and challenged his deacons to raise enough money to build a bigger church. The newspaper picked up the story, and a realtor offered a parcel of land worth thousands and thousands of dollars to build the church on. When told that the church couldn't afford the asking price, he offered to sell it for 57 cents. I know it doesn't feel like... I mean, this, this church is still there today. It's a, a Temple Baptist Church in Philadelphia, and it's next to the Good Samaritan Hospital. It started with 57 cents. A little girl who had, she was five. She had nothing. She had nothing to give. And God says, I'm going to use that. So the next time you feel inadequate, jingle those coins in your pocket. And remember that God can use us in spite of what we have, and in spite of what we can do, and in spite of, of how we were brought up. God can use us to be a fisher of men. And I challenge everybody in here, try this week. Try one time to be a fisher of men. Tell somebody the good news about Jesus. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for uh, the call you, the, even the opportunity you give us to share Christ with people. We are unworthy people, God, and you know that we, we couldn't do half as good a job as you could on sharing Christ with people. But you asked us to for some reason. And God, I know you say you'll bless us if we do share Christ with you. The results aren't up to us. I know they're up to you. Just ask us to plant and into water. So I just pray that you'd help us, God, to go fishing this week. I pray that we would have the courage to share your gospel. I pray that we would have 
the wisdom of how to say it. I pray that the people we talk to be receptive to the gospel that uh, you'd have us to share. I pray for boldness, and I pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.